Well, I'm excited to be in Ephesians this morning. You know, Shane started this a few weeks back. He did uh, a couple messages in Ephesians, and we're going to continue that this morning, uh, this week, and then next week I'll be back to do a little more of chapter four and five, and then we'll finish it up the last couple piece messages at the end of June. Uh, But I think there are a lot of great truths in this book as Paul is writing to the folks at Ephesus um, and talking about, and I think this letter was probably spread further than that, but I think there's some really important truths, some important implications for us as a body of believers. Here, just to reorient us in, uh, in where we were, here's the summary that Shane talked about when he did this. Chosen by God and having received grace and peace. Remember those two words, grace and peace. Through Christ, we are to walk faithfully in Christ Jesus. So that's the summary of Ephesians. Chosen by God, having received grace and peace through Christ, we were to walk faithfully in Christ. The first half of the book is all about who we are. It's all about who we are in Christ. And that's what I'm going to finish up today with the rest of chapter two and chapter three is who we are. And it's so important for us to understand who we are in Christ before we get to what it looks like to walk in Christ. What does it look like to live in Christ? Christ. Well, if we don't know who we are, then it's hard to know how we walk and live and function as a body, as individuals without understanding who we are. So hopefully through what Shane talked about and what I'm going to talk about today, we'll have a good understanding of who we are in Christ. And here's what he said at the very beginning. Paul says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and to all who are faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is setting it all up. He's talking about this idea of grace and this idea of peace. And quickly, just to review the first part, and this is what Shane talked about, was this new life that we have in Christ. The new life that we have in Christ. And I'm not going to read all this, but just look at some of those highlighted words. We were dead. We were disobedient. We were deserving wrath because of our nature. But then it goes on, but it says, but it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So the thing that Shane talked about that as he was setting up this book is that we are saved through faith by grace. That we are given salvation because we are in Christ Jesus. And I love what he says here. This is not from yourselves. This is not about you. This is not something you've done. But this is a response to the gospel that we'll talk about this morning. Is a response to what God has done in our lives. It is a response to what God has done in their lives as Paul is writing this. And he says, it's by grace that you have been saved. So there's that first word as he talked about grace and he talked about peace that Christ provides salvation through grace for individuals. That's the first part of chapter two that is so important to understand. That we are alive in Christ, that we have been given this new life and this salvation as individuals. But I will say, as we continue talking this morning, you know, I think there is something about this. As, As Americans, we are so individualistic that a lot of times we stop right here because we go, great, I've been saved 
through grace, through faith. We don't have a problem with that. Yes, I've responded to the gospel. I am now going to heaven. I have eternal life. And that is so important. Obviously, it's the gospel. That is so important. But I think as Paul continues to write this morning, we're going to see that there is more to what's going on to being a believer. There is more to what's going on to being a part of the body of Christ, the church. And not just fellowship, but beyond these walls. As believers in Christ, as chapter 1, chapter 2 talks about, that we have salvation through grace, but there is more. Individually, this is true. This is so important. But it continues as Paul continues to walk through this. And the second point is that we have a new family in Christ. I love that we got to experience a baptism this morning. The second service, because we get to see a picture, not because of the baptism, but because of the faith in Christ through grace that Jordan professed, he is now a part of this family. All of these things that we're going to talk about are true for him and they're true for anyone that is in Christ Jesus. So read with me. Here's what Paul says. It says, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles. So he's speaking to the Gentiles and possibly a lot of them at Ephesus were Gentiles. They are separate from the Jews. It says by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Because right here, right off the bat, we see that there is a dividing line. There's a distinction between the Jew and the Gentile. And he says, this is was done in the body by human hands. He said, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. But let's back up and let's look at these things. Because they were Gentiles, this is what Paul's saying. Because you were Gentile, you were not a part of God's chosen nation, Israel. And because of that, here's the things that were going on. First, you were separate from Christ. You were separated from Christ because you were not a part of God's chosen people. Second, because you're a Gentile, you're excluded from citizenship in Israel. They weren't a part of God's people. Third, they were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. They were not partakers in the promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that was passed through the Old Testament. They were foreigners to the covenants of that promise. And because of all this, they were without hope and they were without God. So Paul is setting this up saying, here, Gentiles, remember that this is who you are. You're separate, you're excluded, you're foreigners, you're hopeless, you're godless. But just like in the earlier chapter, where he talked about we're dead, we deserve wrath and all these things. But then because we're in Christ, we are given this salvation as individuals. Well, now Paul says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You were these things, separate, excluded, foreigners, without hope, without God. But because of Jesus Christ, because of the gospel that he's going to talk about in a a minute, because of the mystery that he's going to describe, because of his unsearchable riches that he's going to talk about. But now in Christ, you once were far away, but now you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
How did this happen? This is the problem with the Gentiles. This is what's going on as he is addressing this church. He's saying, hey, here's who you were. Remember, he used that word twice. Remember, this is who you were. But here's what God did about it. And he goes on, he says, for he himself is our peace. That's the first point of this little section about peace. Remember, we had two words, grace. We're saved by grace through faith. And now this word peace. For he himself was our peace who has made the two groups one, who's destroyed the barrier. Remember, we talked about that. There was already a divide. There was a barrier. The dividing wall of hostility by setting aside the flesh of the law and its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create himself one new humanity out of two thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. So catch what's going on here. So not only is Jesus our peace, he is our peace. And he talks about the two being made into one because he's destroyed this barrier of hostility. But then he says, He wants to create in himself one new humanity out of two, making peace and in one body reconciling both of them first to God and then secondly to one another. So you've got Jew and you've got Gentile. He's bringing them together because of who he is, because of being in Christ through the gospel, through these unsearchable riches. He says, I'm going to make the two one. And not only am I going to reconcile them to each other, as Jew and Gentile, but I'm going to reconcile them to God. They're going to be at peace with God through Jesus Christ. And he is going to make peace, also reconcile the two of those people together, the Jews and the Gentiles. And he did it through the cross, through his death and his resurrection. And it goes on, it says, by which he put to death their hostility. He came, and I love this, it says he preached peace, not only to those who were far away, but also to those who were near. So here again, he's talking about the ones that are far away, the Gentiles, but also the Jews who were near, his chosen people. And it says, for through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So that peace is so important there. And here's the thing. So Jesus is our peace. He's making peace. He's reconciling first to God through the cross. Then secondly, he's reconciling people with one another as he's building this new family. And he came and he preached peace to both groups, those who were far and those who were near. And it says, for through him, Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. You know, I was reading through and uh, Tim Keller passed away. And this is something I saw a sermon. He actually has like three sermons all on this word access that I noticed. And, and as he was talking about that, he said, this, this one verse, this is, it all hinges, this peace idea all hinges on this verse. And we get a picture of the Trinity here for through Christ, we have access to the father by one spirit. The Jews and the Gentiles are being made into one, one body, one humanity. But I love this word access. And as I was thinking about this, where, you know, access as a family. 
know, I was thinking about my boys. My boys have access to things because they're my boys, right? The, the house, they come in the house, uh, the pantry, uh, you know, they need to use the, the trailer or the aluminum fishing boat. I mean, you know, there's things that they have access to because they're mine. They're part of our family. Um, but then also there's, there's other things that they have access to. They have access to relationships with myself, with their mother, with their grandparents, but also along with that, they have access to a legacy because their last name is Harrison. A name, maybe a reputation. They have access to that, that carries them through this life. Now that's just here on earth. But think about what this means, that we are given access to the Father through the Spirit because of Jesus Christ. Both Jew and Gentile, they are now on the level playing field. We all have that same access to the father, to all the things that come with being a family because of the peace that came through the cross. Because Jesus reconciled us together, both Jew and Gentile, and is building this one family, which we'll continue to see this morning. But I think it's so important to think about what that means, that we have this access to God, the Father, because of the peace that he made between us. And it goes on. So we got the, the, the problem with the Gentiles is they were excluded, they were separate, they were godless, they were hopeless, they were foreigners. But now he says, but because of that peace, because I'm making one out of the two, because I've reconciled you together, I've reconciled you to God. He says this, but now you're fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets in Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. It says in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So look at these things. We were foreigners. We were excluded. We were not apart. But it says now you are fellow citizens with God's people. Think about that. Think about the, the ability, the things that we have because we are citizens of this country. There are certain things that, that we can obtain because we are citizens. Certain things that we have access to because we are citizens that others who are not citizens do not have, that aren't citizens of the U.S. But we have these things. And now Paul is saying, Gentiles, you are now citizens with God's people. You have a different access to a father and to a nation, a nation of God's people that you didn't have before. But then I love it. He goes from really kind of a, a bigger frame of mind to something smaller, to members of his household. So once you were excluded, but now you are a member of God's household. And think about what that means for you and I, that we are now able to be members of his family and the perks that come with that and the access that comes with that. And the fact that we are now his children and we are a part of his household, speaking of the Gentiles then and you and I. 
that begins to change everything. That we're not just fellow citizens, but now we're actually members of his household. And it says that was being built on a foundation of the law of the prophets and the apostles. Whereas Christ Jesus was the chief cornerstone. And it says, you two are being built together. So not only are we fellow citizens with God's people, the Gentiles and you and I, but now we're members of his household, those who are in Christ Jesus. And now we are actually the bricks and the rocks that are being laid to build up his temple. And not as individuals. See, this is where I think we begin to start looking at something different about what it means to be a Christian. It's not just this individual salvation, which is important. Yes, I'm not trying to diminish that. But it's more than that. It's not just this individual salvation. It's a salvation that then you're brought into this new family. You have new life. Now you're given this new family and you're being built together with others, other believers. And we are intertwined and we are being built up as God's family eventually being a holy temple. Not individual bricks anymore, but a structure. And a structure that is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and where Christ is the cornerstone. Where every other brick, every other, every other thing is laid based on who he is and where he is set. If you know anything about a cornerstone, it's going to lay out the plumb lines and the foundation and give you the direction and the dimensions. And everything is based on that one piece. And then everything else is built off of that. So this is what God is doing in the second half of chapter three. This is what Paul is talking about when he goes, okay, you've got this salvation through grace, but now because of his peace, you're being brought into this family and you're being built up together, both Jew and Gentile. And you're being built together for the purpose of the church the purpose to glorify me. God's promise promises peace in this household. And because of that, he's building this family. And that's what happens when we have this individual salvation, but we're brought into this community, into God's family because of this peace. So through grace, we are saved. And through this peace, we are reconciled and we are begin, beginning to be built up. And he continues to develop this idea as he jumps into chapter three. And he talks about this new revelation that we have in Christ. This new revelation. So we have new life and now we're part of this new family. And he wants to go a little deeper and talk about this revelation that has been given to him to take to the Gentiles. Read with me. It says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, For the sake of you Gentiles, surely you've heard about the administration or the stewardship that has been given to Paul of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery. Talks about this, uses this word a lot. The mystery made known to me by revelation as I've already written briefly. So he's talked about it a little bit. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Here it is again, which was not made known to the people in other generations as it has been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. So this is what he's talking about, that foundation that was built on the apostles and the prophets where Christ was the cornerstone. And he says, this mystery 
is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. So think about this. This is the mystery he's talking about. This is what God has called Paul to. This is why he had the encounter on the road because God was going to use Paul to go to the Gentiles and to proclaim this mystery. And he spells out, he says, this mystery is that the gospel, that the good news of Jesus Christ, what he did through his life, his death, his resurrection, makes the Gentiles, they are now heirs together with Israel, members together, sharers together. You know, this word heirs, um, a lot of times we think about, you know, if you're an heir of something, you, you receive an inheritance. A lot of times we think about things. But being an heir is not just stuff. Being an heir means you're also an heir to a legacy, to a legacy of a person. You're the heir. You belong in that family. Think about what that means for you and I. And for these Gentiles, they were hearing this. Gentiles together, they are heirs now with Israel. They are members together of one body. What was two, what was divided because of the barrier of hostility that he diminished through the cross as he made peace with them and peace with God, now they are members of one body. And they are sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. So many different people being brought together because they are in Christ. Now, that's the kicker. We can't never let that go. It's because you walk through a door, you sign a piece of paper, or you go to a class. This is because you are in Christ. You are given salvation through grace. And now you're being made a part of this body because of the peace of God. And because of this mystery of which Paul keeps talking about, he says, it's the gospel And when you respond to the gospel, you become heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and shares in the promise of Christ Jesus. That you will forever be a part of that family. That you inherit eternal life. One of the songs we sung that we have the forgiveness of sins because of who he is. As he continues to talk about this, he talks about what was God's purpose in doing all this? Read with him. He says, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am the less than the least of all the Lord's peoples, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles. We talked about that. This boundless riches of Christ, the unsearchable riches, the infinite riches of Christ. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Check this part out. But his intent, God's intent, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. Think about that for a minute. This really kind of blew my mind when I was first reading this. His intent was that through the church, this manifold wisdom, this idea of manifold, if you're a mechanic, you you might have some thoughts on that, but it's this multi-layered, multifaceted, multicolored, multidimensional, I mean, it just... This infinite idea of his wisdom that should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. God wants to shake the foundations through the church. 
and not just here on earth, but in the heavenly realms. The scripture says that's where the battle is anyway. It's not with us. Bickering over what color carpet we should put in here. No, it's, it's in the heavenly realms. That's where the battle is. As he is building his family, as he is growing his church, the body of believers, as he is drawing unbelievers, those who are far away, near to him through the gospel, that his manifold wisdom is being made known or should be made known through the church. And it says, in, in him we can approach God with freedom and confidence. It's another part of that access that we didn't have before, that we can approach God with freedom and with confidence. That we don't have to worry. We're at peace with him. We can walk with him. We can go to him in freedom and in confidence. But I love this idea of this intent that God had for his manifold wisdom to be made known through the church. And I just wonder if that's happening with us, with the church. You know, this is our local expression. You're half of them. The other half was here first service. This is our local expression of the body. Have you ever thought about that? That God intends to use us, his body of believers, in order to shake the foundation, foundations of the heavenly realms and for that wisdom to be made known there. Not just the earth. But so often I think we get caught up in this individualistic life where I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to do this. And God's going, no, I'm building you together, Jew and Gentile. Arkansan and Californian. American and pick your country. If you are a believer, if you are in Christ, I am putting together a family that he wants to shake the foundations of the world and draw people to himself. And church, are we being that? Are we allowing God to work through us in a way where we are living out his intent as a body of believers? As he continues, he, he closes with this prayer. And I think it's important what he prays for as he prays for the Ephesians. He says this, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. He's kind of coming back to when he first started and he interrupted himself and wanted to talk about this mystery, the mystery of the gospel, of God's intent. But he says this, he says, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives his name, I pray that out of his glorious riches, Here's the first thing, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So he prays that they'll be strengthened through power, the power of the spirit. And then secondly, he goes on, he says, and also knowing that you've been rooted and established in love, he said, may you have the power together with all the Lord's holy people, all the Lord's saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And here, Again, he starts kind of individual. I pray that you have strength through the spirit that Christ dwells in you. But now more corporately, but may you have power with all the saints. 
with all the body of believers. May you have power with them to truly grasp the love of Christ. The depths, the heights, the width, the breadth of the love of Christ. And through that strength and through that power to grasp that, he says, and that all surpasses knowledge. And that you may be filled, as he's praying, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, what do you think happens when the church does that? What do you think happens when a body of believers is strengthened through the power of the Spirit, Christ indwelling us, we are in Christ, we have this new life, and then somehow with all the saints, we're coming together as a body of believers that's being built up, both Jew and Gentile, every difference in the world, but because we're in Christ, we're able to grasp this love of Christ and reflect that out and reflect that to one another and that we're filled with that fullness. That's his intent through the church. That's God's intent to make known his wisdom through the body of believers that he's building up. And he prays this doxology at the end, which I love. He says, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory. Check this out, four things. Glory in the church. Glory in Christ Jesus. Glory through all generations. And for how long? Forever and ever. Give glory to God. Christ accomplishes God's eternal purpose and plan. Individually through grace, corporately through this peace as we're reconciled to one another, reconciled to God. And as this mystery is made known and we understand this surpassing love, his intent is that his manifold wisdom be made known on the earth in the heavenly realms that it rocks the foundations. We are his through grace. We are at peace with each other and God. And through the body of believers, God will be glorified. God will be glorified. But I'll say this. We've, there's some next steps on your bulletin. But as I was thinking through this, and this idea of the church and what's going on here, that it's more than just this individual salvation, but it's a corporate family that is being built up. Are we more compelling than what the world has to offer? Because you think about it. I was trying to, like, what are some things that people give their lives to? I mean, gangs, that's kind of the negative side. But why do they do it? It's a family. Give some purpose. People care about them. People love them. Sports leagues, gyms, I don't know. You know, just name it. What, what, what is there something that you give or that some people give their life to? And maybe partly because it seems more compelling. Maybe they're more loved. Maybe they're more cared for. Then we care for one another. 
So as the church, are we really being the church? We know the gospel is more compelling, right? Because of what it offers people. It offers people life in Christ, eternal life. But as we go into that corporate body of believers, is what we offer more compelling than what the world offers? Do we treat one another in such a way that when people that are different than us, maybe they live differently, maybe they think differently, maybe their skin tone's a different color, maybe they vote differently, but we are in Christ. Those of us who are in Christ, do we love one another in a way that it's more attractive to the world than what the world has to offer? And at times I think we are, and at times I think we struggle in that. And so I want you to think through that. Think about the implications of this message. Get into Ephesians this week. Study through these chapters. Think about what he's saying to them through this grace and this peace. And I know we don't control a lot of that. But as a body, as our little local expression... We love each other in such a way that we're attractive to those who are far away, who God wants to bring near and offer them new life and offer them a place in the family and offer them something to be a part of, to be built up, to be his, to shout out his manifold wisdom to the world. Let's pray. Father, we... uh, We love you, Lord, and uh, we thank you. And Father, I just pray that you would um, continue to draw us to yourself. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us to look into our own hearts, Lord, to see how we view you, see how we view the family. Lord, to see the part that we play. Lord, as you continue to teach us this week and next week and how to walk in holiness, how to walk in the light, how to walk in wisdom, how to walk in love, how to walk in unity, Lord. I pray that those things would be real about us. And if they're not, Lord, I pray that you would transform our hearts and minds. Lord, that you would change our hearts and our minds from the inside out, Lord, to where we would love one another well. That as believers, we would lock arms that as believers, we would pray for one another. We would encourage one another. And Lord, that we would be the church in this world. That you would continue to draw people into your body, into your family, through your mystery, the mystery of the gospel. We love you. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.